Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. August is officially Black Business Month, and that means there's a lot to celebrate in the Del Mar Loop. The shopping and entertainment district that straddles University City and the city of St. Louis proudly touts nearly 30 black-owned businesses. Now, it's not an easy time to own a business, and that's something St. Louis's 26th Ward Alderwoman Shamim Clark Hubbard knows well. For 15 years, she owned a hair salon in the Loop, and she shared her thoughts on why Black Business Month is so important this year. Now more than ever, as we work and navigate through this pandemic and our now normal, not our new normal, but our now normal, I think it's important to celebrate everyone, to encourage everyone in business. And by it being Black Business Month, it's very important and dear to my heart to celebrate the black businesses, not just in the um, 26th Ward in the city of St. Louis, but also in the um, in the East Loop area where I myself owned uh owned and operated a black owned business and um so just the the navigating through being a business owner i know the ins and outs ups and downs and so it's important for me to celebrate it because as people are going through the pandemic and the struggles and the challenges and the barriers that it has created um i think it's important to encourage and support and uplift our businesses so they can push through um, the best way they can. And that is Alderwoman Shamim Clark Hubbard, and she represents the East Loop at St. Louis City Hall. And joining us today to talk about this business district and the remarkable concentration of businesses within it is Brian Hurd. He's an urban planner and community development c- consultant. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good afternoon, Sarah. And we're also joined today by Stephanie White. She's the owner of Sugar Mamas in the Del Mar Loop. Uh, Stephanie, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. How are you? So, Brian, I wanted to start with you. We were somewhat surprised by the total number of Black-owned businesses in the Loop. It just seems like a lot. Why are so many in this one district? That's a great question. Uh, I would not say that it's been intentional. I think it's been more organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have these clusters of businesses that are where somebody may go uh, to get their hair cut, but they may be an entrepreneur and say, well, you know what? This is a good area. Maybe I'll open up my business here. So I don't think it's been anything that has been that intentional in terms of the clustering of black-owned businesses. But I do think it's part of the process that uh, just by mere familiarity, people who may have friends and people would say, you know, this may be an area that you should look at as an opportunity to open up a storefront. And Stephanie, for you, was that the case, that um, this was just something that happened organically when you found it? Yes, it, it was. Mm-hmm. So Alderwoman Shamim uh, Hubbard, she says she's encouraged by the number of Black-owned businesses in the Loop, and she notes that 15 years ago, it was a different story. When I first uh, opened up my business, there were not that many Black-owned businesses in the in the Del Mar Loop, and I probably was one of the, in the, the surge, the beginning, if you um, check back, so when the East Loop even started to be developed. So it's very encouraging to see the Black-owned businesses there. And it feels like to me, anecdotally, that the eastern end of the loop has an even higher concentration of Black-owned businesses than the district as a whole. And Stephanie, that's where you are. What led you to that particular location? Well, I just thought it would be a great location. Um, I liked the area, and then it was located directly across from the Metrolink. So I felt that, you know, we would um, do really well there. So you are among the furthest east east spots within that district. Yeah. Does that make it harder sometimes to draw foot traffic? Yes, ma'am, it does. And that's one of my challenges. 
um, I sometimes stood outside and I would watch people. They would come from the loop and they would get to the corner of De Pairs and Del Mar and they would turn around mm. because they don't realize that there's another little shop down there. And at one time I had a beauty shop that was next door to me and they recently moved. But um, and then sometimes people would say, oh, I didn't know you were down there on that corner, you know. So we started using sidewalk signs and things of that sort. But yeah, it's it's a challenge. <laughs> Has that helped at all to have those signs out there saying, "Hey, there's something else down yeah. this way"? It ha- it has helped. And um, over time, we have maybe did flyers and things like that. But still, um, I can see people that may get to that corner and they turn back around well, because I am the only business that's right there now. Hmm. Well, let's one block. Let's give you a little moment for self promotion. What would someone find mm-hmm. at Sugar Mamas that would be worth walking uh, that extra block there? <laughs> Well, I have been told over and over that I do have the number one caramel cake in St. Louis. <laughs> so we have caramel cake, we have um, banana pudding, and we're known for my banana slip pudding. And most of my recipes I create myself. Mm-hmm. I got to say, yeah, I'm willing to walk that block. I don't know if anybody else is listening during this noon hour, but that's a, that's a yes. pretty tempting pitch right there. <laughs> Now, Brian, bigger picture, you've been involved with The Loop's strategic planning, and you've described it as, quote, a game-changing opportunity, something we need to build off of. What makes The Loop such a great spot for small businesses in general? Well, I think everything that Stephanie just mentioned, uh, but what I would say is that the East Del Mar and Loop uh, Community Improvement District, which is the organization that is spearheading the improvements in the corridor, uh, they have their five-year strategic plan that we help them to develop. And so part of it is that, we, you know, the, the big vision over the next five years is to, you know, make it a destination with uh, a mix of different kinds of businesses, hmm. such as music, music, music venues, a variety of arts, entertainment, shopping, et cetera. So get people to come to maybe buy a record or see a show and then stop by Sugar Mama's on their way home. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. If I could use one quick example, um, I used to get my hair cut down in the loop at TaylorMade uh, Haircut uh, hair, hair, uh, yeah. or Barbershop. While I was down there, I could take my two daughters to get their hair done a couple of doors down at Locks of Glory. Mm-hmm. I could then go when my wife would send me a text message saying, you know, bring something home to eat from, you know, Crab Kings. I would spend about $60 there or whatever. And then go to Stephanie's uh, place, uh, Sugar Mama's, and spend, you know, dessert. By the time I left there, without getting in my car, wasting any gas, it was being very convenient, I would have spent $250 within that, that footprint. Yeah. And that's something that we're trying to do to make sure that people not only come for uh, one item of business, but that they stay there and spend more money because it really promotes not only the businesses, but the community in general. So make it more, you know, you can do that one stop shopping. You're going to get to hit five or six places just with the single time you're parking your car. Absolutely. Who wants to run around town wasting gas and just wasting time? We could be in one destination, do everything you need to do in a quick amount of time and then be back home. So, Brian, you mentioned some improvements to this corridor that are coming out of, of the planning process. What are some things that, that you're looking at doing? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the streetscapes in terms of some of the things that Stephanie uh, mentioned earlier around flags and just making sure that people know that they're in a place. Place is very important in terms of branding, uh, but also some of the open spaces, uh, parks, uh, nice streetscapes when it comes to even parking areas. You know, you want to make sure that you beautify it and create those create those aesthetics that are very pleasing and very attractive for people to feel like I belong somewhere. 
I want to sit outside and have my lunch or have a drink or something like that and just make sure that they stay there for a little while and just enjoy the, uh, the environment. So those are things that we're, you know, we're trying to work on. Is there a site that you have in mind that would provide a, a park or a, a sort of public space down at that end of the loop? Well, all those things are being explored. I don't want to put too much. I know Rochelle Lecrae, the executive director, is doing a phenomenal job on identifying some of that along with her board of directors. Uh, but again, it just depends on kind of the future or even, you know, bi-state facility and, and those areas around it. But again, we don't want it just to be for vehicles. We want to make it more pedestrian friendly uh, for patients to really want to come and feel like they're safe uh, and that they belong in that community. Well, we've talked a bit about how um, so much of what has happened up to this point has been organic with entrepreneurs finding these spots, finding ways to realize their dreams. And something that's really striking within many of these newer businesses is just how many black women are leading the way with that entrepreneurship. Stephanie, is there camaraderie within that group? Um, I would say so. Um, Do you... There's a lot of... Have you gotten to know many of your, your fellow business owners, or are you all so busy in your own storefronts you, you can't really go mingle? You know, I don't have a lot of time to mingle. I do know Tamika down at um, Lots of Glory, um, uh, Orlando on the other corner, um, but I don't have a whole lot of time because I'm still cradling sugar mamas right now. Mm-hmm. And your yeah. story, I think your story is illustrative. Um, your bake shop started out as a really small thing right in your own kitchen. How did you yes. end up um, getting from that point to having what you have today? Well, yes, I did. I started off in my kitchen, uh, me and my little grandson, just making candy. I just never knew or even thought about it blossoming into a shop. But um, after I would make candy and people would ask for other things, cakes and different desserts and everything. And I would say, okay, I'll try it. I can't promise you how it's going to come out, but I will try it. So after that, um, I started making little desserts and treats and things for church. And after that, it just got so busy. Uh, I couldn't do it anymore out of my kitchen. So hmm. I have to open up somewhere, you know. And were, then, were you tempted just to get a space to cook out of as opposed to doing a forward-facing uh, retail outlet as well? I thought about that also, but then I kind of wanted somewhere somewhere where that people could still come in and visit or sit and, you know, have a selection of products to choose from. Hmm. So what led you to finally take that leap? When did you know you were ready? Yeah, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to start my own uh, brick-and-mortar bake shop. Well, I knew um, after so many people were coming to my house. <laughs> Your house was, was full. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, the house is full. It's, it's too many cars parked on the street. You know, I'm saying, okay, I got to do something different here. Yeah. Brian, do you get the sense that there are people like Stephanie throughout the metro area where they're, they're building these businesses and what they just need is the encouragement or the good place to land where they can expand them from there? Absolutely. I mean, support and encouragement is important for growth and development of any business, but in particular, uh, African-American businesses. And something that Stephanie mentioned earlier about uh, just kind of the hustle and bustle of, of running a successful business and where she doesn't have a lot of time. Part of what we're trying to do is make sure that there's a platform and infrastructure in place for these businesses to begin to network with one another, to have a unified voice for that district. When you have a unified voice and, and you're working together and you're, you're, you're networking, it creates other opportunities for you know banks and financial institutions, local government to really plug into what's going on. Um, and so hopefully through that infrastructure, we can create opportunities for Stephanie and other businesses as well, because mm-hmm. we, want to, we want to retain them. We also want to recruit additional businesses to the area and create a nice mix and variety of of options. You've got to keep the ones you have, not just bring on new ones. 
Absolutely. Growth and development is what it's called. Yes. And Stephanie, it is worth mentioning, this is just such a tough time for all small businesses. And it seems like the public facing ones like Sugar Mamas, this has been just particularly hard. How have you been doing in, in say, the past month? Uh, the past month hasn't been too bad. Um, when the pandemic first hit, um, of course, it slowed down, you know. Um, but you things are, are back up on hustle. the upswing? You said a backup? Uh, yeah, business is, is, yeah. is heading back up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The business is picking back up, you know, yes. The business is picking back up. And then a lot of times, too, you know, if I notice that my numbers are kind of low, um, I have friends that work for companies, and I may just take orders or something and then deliver the product out. That's some good hustle right there. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, with numbers going back up, do you get the sense that's true across the district, that I know things were really tough and really slow there and, and officially closed down for months, but that now customers are coming back? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad Stephanie's business is, is doing uh, doing better. And so I would say that it's kind of a mixed bag. I think a lot of our businesses through the pandemic have suffered. Many of them are micro businesses where just one um person working there, which is the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they could not reach capital or receive capital uh, or then have access to some of the stimulus money, um, it certainly has, has uh, adversely impacted those businesses in terms of their sustainability. Mm-hmm. So again, we, we, we're hopeful that things will begin to change. But uh, right now, we, we're still um, in some dark spaces in terms of being dark in the woods. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked on um, in the introduction about it being Black Business Month. What would you like to see happen in the days ahead when it comes to supporting Black businesses going beyond Black Business Month? Brian, are there things that we could do as, as just individuals that would help? Yes, I mean, although these are Black-owned businesses, it would be great for all the, you know, the entire region to identify what these businesses are, where they're located. Uh, these are some great uh, businesses that are doing phenomenal work, not just in, in restaurants and eateries, but also in retail. I think for all of us as an inclusive economy, we should all venture to figure out ways in which we can support these black businesses. Because I think it's important, uh, sir, that as black businesses go, so do our neighborhoods and so do our communities. And so does this region. If this region is going to be competitive with the likes of uh, Indianapolis or Memphis or the Kansas cities of the world, uh, those peer cities, we really have to support our Black-owned businesses here in the St. Louis region. I think that's a, a great call to action there. And and Stephanie, as the owner of Sugar Mamas, what would you like listeners to take away from this conversation we've had today? I would like them to take away that um, it is important, like Brian said, to, to support the, the Black businesses. Uh, we work very, very hard. Um, I know um, late nights, early mornings, um, is, I just think it's important for us all to Stay to get stand together and support each other. And maybe get some of that caramel cake. And get some of that caramel cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, we Stephanie White, we <laughs> I think we've, we've planted that idea. So hopefully that's going to pay off. Um, Stephanie White, owner of Sugar Mamas, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. And Brian Hurd, uh, urban planner and community development consultant, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sarah and Stephanie. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association 
committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.